Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello, it's David Cameron Walker here. Uh, You've probably been wondering where we've been for the last month or so. And uh, I can only apologise. Me and Mark have been all over the country. He's been moving up to Manchester and getting himself sorted out out there, moving houses. I've been down here starting a new job. Uh, It's been Christmas. It's been New Year. Uh, January hasn't been very dry at all. Uh, So all of those factors combined have meant that we simply have taken our eye off the ball and haven't been able to do a pod for way too long now. So we apologise for that, although I'm sure hardly any of you have lost any sleep over it, to be honest. Um, But I'm here today with a mini episode just to keep you ticking over until we finally get our acts together in the next week or so and do a proper episode where we'll go back over the last couple of months and look at all the things we've missed and all the things that are coming up as well and hopefully it'll be back to normal soon. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, I thought it would be a good time to look at the increasingly fraught situation at Charlton Athletic. We've seen protests over the last few weeks. We've seen the fans getting increasingly angry and disappointed, frustrated about the state of their club. Owner Roland de Châtelet is coming under increasing pressure. The fans clearly want him out, but he doesn't seem like he's going anywhere at the moment. Just today, as I record this, he has appointed Jose Riga as manager on an 18-month contract back at the Valley for his second spell in charge after he was there previously in 2014, keeping them up that season before leaving in the summer under a bit of a cloud, as so many people have done from Charlton in the previous, what, year and a half since that time. Uh, So it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I'm not sure whether Charlton fans think that Josie Riga is the answer to their problems. I expect not. We had a terrible 5-0 defeat up at Huddersfield a few days ago. Johnny Jackson and the players have apologised and have since said they'll reimburse the travelling fans that went to that game. Uh, We've seen thousands and thousands of fans outside the valley at recent home games protesting, screaming abuse, chanting songs at the owners saying that they want change. The raw facts of the situation are that the club are 23rd, second from bottom in the championship without a win in 10 games out of the FA Cup at the hands of League One Colchester the other week. Uh, And they are in desperate situation. They're staring relegation in the face, not for the first time in the last few years. So today we're going to speak to a man who's very much at the centre of all the protests and all the efforts to try and force change and bring back the good times to Charlton. His name is Rick Everett and he is the editor of the Voice of the Valley fanzine and he's going to join me in a second. But first, let's hear some of those protests from the recent home game on January the 2nd, this was, uh, the one-all draw against Nottingham Forest. This was when the fans congregated outside the Valley after the game and, as you can hear, they weren't happy. So there you go. 
very sad to hear that really uh, as, as, as inspiring as it is that fans of a football club can get together to try and bring about change positive change to their club it's sad that we even got to this situation in the first place. So, as I said, Rick Everett joins me now, the editor of The Voice of the Valley fanzine. And I simply start by asking you, what earth is going on at your club? I think that's what we'd like to know, really. Um, in some ways, we do know, because Roland de Chatelet is uh, doing his usual thing, appointing his mates from his network, who he's worked with before, and um, generally uh, creating a situation that uh, Charlton was not tenable. Rick, you've been one of the key voices, the key leaders in the protest that we've seen so far. How confident are you that you and your fellow fans can actually force change here? I think the first thing to say is that the, is that the great majority of Charlton supporters are now united by the movement to get rid of Roland de Chassonet. So that gives us a power uh, of itself, just simply in having the numbers. Um, and the other thing is that I don't think his model is sustainable. I don't think what he's trying to do can possibly succeed. So in the end, the combination of those two factors will get rid of him, will persuade him that he's got to sell the club, I think, because otherwise I think he'll end up just pouring money into a hole. I don't think he's got anywhere to go. What is he trying to do? That's, that's the key question, though, really, isn't it? Because we, we hear so little from, uh, from Roland. I suppose you know, we, we, are, we, we can see what's happening in terms of all the managers and the players that have come into the club. But what, what is his aim? What's he trying to do? I think what he ultimately what he's trying to do is is make the club sustainable by producing young players and, and selling them on. Um, but the the bit that he's missing is that the purpose of a football club is to win matches and climb up climb up the league ladder. Um, I don't think he's overly concerned with that. He thinks that he can make he can cover the losses um, that are involved in running a club at Championship or, or as it may end up being at League One level by selling young talent. But what he'll find is in practice, you can't identify and develop the talent fast enough to fill the gap. And he'll have no fans watching because people don't want to go to football matches as part of a, uh, the match day experience, as they're always talking about it. They, they want to support their team and see their team succeed. They want to build relationships with players over time and with managers over time um, um, to feel that they have a sense of belonging with the club. And, and that's all disappearing at Charlton. So he's, if he's not careful, he's going to end up with very few spectators. And it doesn't have to be this way, though. That's the thing. I'm a Watford fan, and it wasn't too long ago that we had a takeover from the Pozzo family, and we've done very well since. But at the time when they came in, we were, there were a few raised eyebrows. They were, you know, they were bringing in new managers. They sacked Sean Dyche, who was a very popular figure, who'd done a very good job, not too dissimilar to when Chris Powell uh, initially left Charlton, where after he'd done very good for you. Um, and we, we were a bit worried. We were a bit concerned. We were thinking, what are they going to do? Are they going to strip out the heart of the club? Is it, is it going to be a money-making exercise? Are they going to flood the club with players from their network from abroad? And, and, and it, it, you know, it wasn't always easy and it was, it was a bit choppy waters initially. But the crucial thing is, A, they made largely right decisions with the, with the employment of managers and, and the recruitment of good players. Uh, and B, they, and more importantly, they were true to the club's values and traditions. They they made a very big effort from the start to understand what the club was about. They there was always communications with the supporters, and and I think that that trust developed fairly quickly, and and it's gone from strength to strength since. But I just can't see any parallel with Charlton. It seems as though there's just no communication, and there's a real misunderstanding from Roland and the owners and the chief exec and everyone there as to what Charlton is about. I think it's very much that they want to impose on Charlton uh, what they want a football club to be. And they're doing that really regardless of the culture of football in this country and certainly the culture of Charlton, which has always been a club, or certainly in the last 
25 years has been a club where the fans have played a big part in shaping how the club operated and the clubs reap the benefit for that in, in terms of growing attendances, very high percentage of season ticket holders and a lot of ideas and, and, and voluntary services put forward through supporters. They made clear from the outset they didn't want any of that. They alienated the fans um, by getting rid of Jan Kermigan and Chris Powell very early on. They've never really recovered from that and I, and I have to say that I don't think the people that Roland Duchatelet has put on the ground on the administrative side, um, particularly the chief executive, um, are up to the job, really, and, and that's another big part of the problem. Why isn't Roland more open to communicating with the fans, do you think? Uh, I suspect that he just has his way of doing things and he's absolutely convinced that he's right and he doesn't really see the fans as being part of the equation. I mean... I think he sees it as a sort of business-to-business enterprise in which he's, he's in the business of, of uh, producing young talent and selling it on to other companies in the football business. And the spectators, to him, are a bit of a side issue. I don't think he thinks we've got anything to contribute. Um, if he understood the history of Charlton, then he would know that we are the club that formed a political party that, that when a, you know, created a situation in which the directors could take the club back to the valley by overturning the council's decision. Um, there's a rich history there, and there were a lot of people when they arrived who would have very happily worked with them, given their time freely, given their expertise freely, um, knowing that Roland had the resources to make the club successful. But he doesn't seem interested in any of that. Um, and you have to assume, I mean, because he says so little, you don't really know how much he understands of what's going on on a day-to-day basis, but you have to assume that he knows what's going on down there. And if that's the case, then he really doesn't seem to care. And the chief executive, is, is it, uh, forgive me if I pronounce her name wrong, is it Karin Mertra? Katrin Mera. Katrin Mera, yes. So, I mean, she, she is the person who is the kind of face of the operation, I suppose, on the ground level, and she's coming for a lot of stick, and I suppose rightly so in some quarters. But, I mean, is there almost a sense that maybe you feel sorry for her in terms of she has to, maybe she's not getting a lot of communication from her brother either, and she's kind of got to stand there and, and, and try and communicate these decisions, even if she might not necessarily be making them herself? I think um, she's someone who is struggling with the job, um, understandably, given the lack of experience that she brought to it. Um, And she's not availed herself of any of the offers of help that have been made to her by people who who maybe work there and and, and know some of the problems of running a football club and running Charlton in particular. So I don't have very much sympathy for her. And and when she makes her appearances uh, on Belgian websites or conferences in Dublin, or even in front of supporters' meetings and says absolutely crazy things. You know, all the managers that we've had, they've all been the right decision to, to a point, despite the fact she previously said that you needed somebody there for the long term who could make uh, strategic decisions. Um, you know, she says that uh, it's, it's weird that the supporters feel a sense of ownership over the club. Um, you know, she, she's made all kinds of crazy comments in the media um, away from Charlton, and she spends a lot of time talking about Charlton fans to media elsewhere, but not actually having that conversation with Charlton fans as a whole. So, no, I don't really have very much sympathy for her, and I think she should go back to Belgium and, and perhaps do a job to which she's more suited. I mean, it's, it's staggering, really, when you hear those sort of comments, that somebody can be put in charge of a football club with such a, a, a profound misunderstanding of, of what a football club in this country, what a football club like Charlton with its history is all about, really. I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, you lost for words, really. But in terms of the protests so far, I mean, do you feel that they've made any difference? They've obviously picked up a lot of steam in the media, but in terms of what of achieving what you want them to achieve, do you think they've helped? 
Um, I think they put the, the club under a lot of pressure and, and, and uh, you know, we don't know uh, exactly why they withdrew from the offer that they made to the, um, to the, to the uh, Serbian manager yesterday. Um, the suggestion from the inside is that there was a bit of an internal revolt there and, and, it was, and, and Roland backed off. Um, but within 24 hours of, of uh, the, the idea he was going to appoint a British manager emerging, we find he's gone back to his network model again. So we, we, there may have been a, it may have been a factor in, 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 the, in the fact that they didn't appoint the guy from Hungary, the Serbian from Hungary, but um, whose name I can't pronounce, by the way, so I'm not going to attempt it. Um, but um, certainly we've now got Jose Riga, who's a more popular choice, I think, with Charles Spores, but whether he's going to be equipped and able to do anything about that, I don't know. I think we will make an impact, and I think we are making an impact at the margins. But I think in the end, if you've got so many people opposed to what you're doing because it's so crazy, um, it will become impossible for them to run the club. So they have appointed Jose Riga, an 18-month contract, and it feels to me that, well, he's kind of the best of a bad bunch, or or maybe not even that. And you're kind of back at square one again. You know, he's back, and he was the guy that was initially appointed when you got rid of Chris Powell to, to come in and save you, and he did save you, that's that's in his credit, but I don't sense that this is the answer to your, to your problems. No, I mean, he's the most credible of the people that um, Duchatelet has appointed to run the team, and yes, uh, he was there for 16 games, and the team did stay up um, reasonably comfortably in the end, I suppose, um, but that doesn't mean to say it's going to translate into um, him being able to do the same this time because when he came in before, he had Chris Powell's coaches around him. He had Alex Dyer and Damian Matthew and Ben Roberts. Um, and he had a different squad which had been uh, put together by Chris Powell and that spirit was there. I don't sense that in the current um, squad. I, I, I don't have any quarrel with the players. Um, even, if even if some of them are not good enough, that's not their fault that they're there or they've been put in this position. But I don't see within that squad now the spirit and the character which um, enabled Riga or was part of Charlton staying up two years ago. So I, I very much hope that he's a miracle worker and he keeps Charlton in the championship because I think it will be a real disaster if we get relegated. Um, and like most of the fans, you know, I will give him a fair chance. Um, but I'd be surprised if he's the answer. And to be honest with you, he's, he's got an 18-month contract this time. I'm sure he insisted upon that after his experience last time when the Chatelet wouldn't um, keep him on. But I'd be astonished if he's still there in 18 months' time because that's not what Du Chatelet does. You've only got to look at his record uh, across all the clubs that he owns in Europe. Um, he turns managers over at a quite alarming rate. So um, I wish Jose luck, but I don't think he'll be there for 18 months. What, what would relegation mean, do you think, for this situation? And how would that affect the owner's thinking? Well, I think it would be catastrophic because um, the fans have no confidence and are completely alienated from the owner's. Um, worse than that, I think they feel that it's no longer their club. They, you know, they, they don't have that um, feeling for it that they've had in the past, and they're drifting away in massive numbers already, even within the, the existing season ticket holders. Um, he's going to lose a huge amount of money if, if the team gets relegated, just uh, just from losing the central income, the TV money, and the solidarity payment, which is a much lower in League One. He'll also lose a substantial chunk of the season ticket revenue, which, would, to be fair, will have less impact on him. I, I suspect you're looking at five to seven million pounds worse off in League One. Um, and even on his model, he's then got to recover that by producing more young talent and selling it, which he's going to find very difficult to do. Some of his costs will go down, but they won't be anywhere near enough to offset the amount of revenue he's going to lose. So let's just say 
that in an ideal world, you and the, the fellow members of Charlton fans who are protesting uh, are successful and Roland decides that, OK, I've failed, I'm going to give you your club back, I'm going to go off and do something else. What would happen next? What, who, who comes in? Who, who do you want to take this club forward if it's not going to be uh, Roland de Châtelet? Well, um, Roland's had an offer which he's, he's refused to engage with um, from an investor put forward by Peter Varney, the former chief executive. Um, my understanding of that is that that is a very substantial um, individual or individuals and would be equipped to take the club back to the Premier League and would certainly, certainly be acquired with that intention. Now, as time goes on, it may be that that offer is no longer available to Charlton. But what I have had very clearly from within the club is that they've been approached, there have been multiple approaches. And one of their reasons they say they won't, they don't need to engage with Peter Varney or have chosen not to is because they get so many such approaches. So there's an element of risk for us because, uh, as with any new owner coming in, um, we don't know what plans they might have and how credible they might have. But he is, Roland de Chatelet is setting the bar so low that it's almost impossible to believe that somebody who came in could be worse than him. Um, the only thing you can say about him is he's got a lot of money, but he's not spending it on uh, improving the football at Charlton or, or in pushing Charlton towards getting back into the Premier League, which we all know is the only sustainable place for the club because it can't break even in the Championship um, and it won't break even on his model any more than it will on any other. Would you possibly look to try and have some sort of fan representation on the board in the future to, you know, to guard against this sort of situation happening? Well, the irony is, of course, that we were one of the first clubs to have an elected fan on the board. Um, from uh, 1992 onwards, we had an elected director. Um, I, I think it's, it's unrealistic to expect um, a, a supporters' trust model to operate in the, in the top two divisions and, and certainly in the Premier League. But we'd certainly like to see more influence in the boardroom. And I think it's, uh, you know, in the past, all the directors were Charlton supporters. Um, so in a way, that negated the elected supporter, the, the need for it. Um, I do think we need to be um, able to provide our advice because we can we can do things which make the, the club more successful. You know, if everyone has if everyone feels that the club is pulling together and working in the same direction, as certainly it did for ten or fifteen years from going back to the valley in 1992, um, then that can be a really good thing for the owner. It can really add value to his business. I mean, everybody who works with people in the voluntary sector knows that they add huge value to organisations. And football clubs, because of the passion that supporters have, um, are, are really valuable assets to clubs. And I'm afraid that Roland doesn't understand that, but there will come a time, uh, hopefully, when a future owner does. You kind of sit here and you think, oh, is there anything the Football League could maybe do? And, you, you know, we're all looking at Charlton, you know, neutral fans are looking at Charlton and thinking this is a, this is a, a once, you know, a great club with a great, tradition and history and, and we feel sorry for them. We, it's not good to see them in the situation like they are. We don't want to see fans protesting outside of grounds about their owners and stuff but essentially if somebody is deemed to be fit and proper and they buy a football club to, to a certain extent they can kind of do what they want with it I suppose so I feel I feel the the urge to maybe ask the football league and question them to see if they can do anything but really at the same time it's kind of where do you draw the line? Yeah, I, I don't think that Roland de Chasselet has done anything dishonest or in, or in breach of the rules, but I do think he's acting against the spirit of the game because I don't think he's primarily concerned with winning football matches. That must be a problem for the Football League. But I think there's a bigger issue because if he continues to provoke supporters, 
no matter how much people like myself might urge people to stay on the right side of the law and to, and to protest in a in a sensible way, he is going to aggravate people beyond that point, and it's going to come get to the stage where matches could be disrupted, or, or they're going to be, you know, they're going to be some serious scenes outside the ground. Now, I'm not encouraging that. I'm just saying it's a, it's a fact of life because he is provoking people so far that sooner or later there will be a response, which is which is you know something that we don't want to see. Well, we, we've seen other clubs recently. Blackpool come to mind at the end of last season. The the fans went on the pitch and basically got the match abandoned with 10 minutes or so to go. I mean, would you be prepared to go that far? I mean, what sort of things do you think you can do other than sort of organised sort of protests like like we saw a couple of weeks ago? Well, I think we're... Well, I'm not advocating that. I'm not advocating anybody breaks the law. We've got some quite sophisticated ideas about how we might get to Roland du Chatelet and Catchy and Mera um, over the coming weeks and months. And um, we're keeping those up our sleeve for the time being. But I do, you know, I can't get away from the fact that if people are provoked and provoked and provoked and the way that the club is being run and the sheer incompetence of the way it's being run, then sooner or later some people are going to take the law into their own hands. Um, and, and at that point, obviously the authorities and not just the football authorities will have to take some kind of a view. And just to be clear, you've obviously made, you and your fellow uh, supporters groups have obviously made every effort to extend the opportunity to speak to, to Roland de Chatelet and the club, you know, face-to-face well, and all that sort of stuff? It's been made clear from the outset that Roland de Chatelet will never speak to fans. And the other two directors, Katrina Mera and Richard Murray, the chairman, are adamant about that. Under no circumstances will he ever speak to fans. He hasn't been to a, a Charlton match since, I think, October the 21st, 2014. Um, he apparently watches matches by live relay in Belgium whether I believe that or not is another matter but I, I, I accept that facility is probably available to him but he doesn't come he doesn't come to matches which obviously is a, a big place where he would interact and get some understanding of what's going on in the, within the club um, people have tried to engage with Katri and Mera it's not been a very satisfactory process um, and to be honest I don't think Richard Murray has any, any authority or influence so um it's very difficult to see how you can get anywhere with a man who, who just doesn't participate, which is the position with, with Roland. Just looking at the, the playing staff briefly, obviously not going very well at all. 23rd in the table, second from bottom, three points from safety, uh, a run of 10 games without a win in all competitions, and obviously the most recent game being that 5-0 defeat at Huddersfield, which since Johnny Jackson and the players have apologised for and offered to reimburse the travelling fans who went up to see that. Um, obviously it's not going well on the pitch, but is there any hope that somebody like Johnny Jackson could galvanise the, the players that are there and rally the players along with Jose Riga and you, you might just stay up this season? Well, I would question whether the, the quality and the strength in depth exists in the squad. I think um, some of the players who came in last summer are, are talented footballers, but what we've tended to see is they're not equipped to play uh, in a 46-game English Championship season. They can't cope with the number of matches and the sheer physicality of it. Hence, they get lots of injuries. There are some good players at Charlton. Um, I don't think the fans have any quarrel with the players. I think we know that, by and large, they've been doing their best, but they get demoralised and unsettled by the things that are going on around the club like everybody else. Um, I don't think that the quality is there in depth in the squad. Um, but I'd love to be proven wrong. And, we, and Johnny Jackson is a, is a good example. There are one or two people there who are leaders. Um, and I, I'd love to think that they can get a reaction from the rest of the players and, and steer the team to safety. But I'm not confident about it. 
And one particular green shoot of hope amongst all this all this darkness is Adam Ola Lukman, who has made a very promising start to his to his career, already attracting interest from from bigger clubs. That the Sharks are starting to circle. But do you think you'd be able to, well, a hold on to him, and you know, b how good can he be? I think he's an absolutely fantastic talent, and uh, you know, speaking to people within the club who are, who are better equipped to make these judgments than me, I mean, they're, they're incredibly excited about him. But he's also very young. Um, and one of the problems we've had is that De Chatelet thinks he can play um, a lot of teenagers and expose them to a lot of games. So you've got somebody else like Colin Hearn Grant, who's, who's been in the team now for um, for nearly two years. And they're just not old enough and just not ready to play the number of games they're being asked to play. And they're not surrounded by enough experience to bring them on properly. Now, I hope Lookman's going to be with us certainly for the second half of this season and or for the rest of this season, and he can make a good contribution. But it's completely unreasonable to expect somebody as young as he is, um, I think he's 18, to come into the team and play every week in that division. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the risks are some of those players, and I'm not saying Lookman is one of them, but if you do force them to do that, you could set them back a long way, as we've seen with players in the past. Rick? Thanks very much for, for talking to us. We'll, we'll leave it there. We'll let you get back to uh, planning whatever it is next you've got up your sleeve in terms of the protests and, and all that. Um, we sympathise with you a great deal. It's a desperate situation and it's a sad sad to see any football club in the situation that it is. But uh, good luck, I suppose, for the rest of the season and beyond. Thanks very much. You're listening to We Are Going Up. That was Rick Everett, the editor of The Voice of the Valley fanzine. Much work to be done there at Charlton, both on and off the pitch, from the players, the boardroom and indeed the fans. And uh, we wish them well over the next few months. Hopefully they can stay up and hopefully we can get Roland de Chatelet to see sense, whether that be staying and talking to the fans or, or indeed leaving. We'll have to watch this one carefully over the next few months and we'll see how it goes. So that's, uh, that's all I've got time for today. I know it's been quite brief. But hopefully you've been uh, you've been glad to hear it. Hopefully you've learned a bit about uh, the situation at Charlton. And we will be back soon, I promise you. I'm actually going up to Manchester tomorrow night, Friday night, as I record this, to see Mark. Uh, and we're going to sort ourselves out. We're going to decide... I mean, I am actually going up to celebrate two of our friends' birthdays and we're going bowling at nearly midnight in Manchester. That's another story. Uh, but by the by, uh, we're going to sort ourselves out. Uh, and we're going to decide when we're going to do the next pod. We're going to get ourselves back on track and we'll be with you soon. As you know, it has been difficult for us to, to do as many shows as we'd like to this season. It's been harder for us to do the shows because we're not in the same place and we don't always have the same access to studios that we're used to. We do apologise once again if any of you fans out there, the long-serving listeners that you are, have been disappointed at the uh, the, the less frequent episodes that we've been giving you this season but hopefully you've enjoyed the ones we have done hopefully you've enjoyed today and we will hopefully speak to you soon this is the we are going up podcast we've got the football league covered hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.